Hey, welcome to Splash Pages, the comic book club. And you know, I say this every week, we are a comic book club, so make sure you head on over to Facebook, join our group, so we can talk about comics with you. You know, we absolutely love this. You know, since I've been doing this, uh, I've really gotten back into comics. I'm reading every day, absolutely loving it. So, uh, you know, this pod has really changed, uh, you know, regained my love for comics, and I hope it does the same for you. So this week, we are talking about JLA New World Order, and, uh, you know, you're going to hear all about it coming at you right now. Everyone thinks because you're a zombie, you don't know good coffee. Well, they're wrong. There's only one brew that gets my seal of approval. Deadly Grounds coffee is my guilty pleasure. The aroma is so intoxicating. It brings all of my neighbors out of the woodwork. Deadly Grounds coffee. Coffee to die for and zombie approved. It's good to get a little deadly. Use the front door! Oh, they're so disgusting. This is Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman. You're watching The Dorkening. Stay tuned. Pages, the comic book club, your weekly dive into your favorite graphic novels and comic books. Their mission to fight injustice, to right that which is wrong, and to serve all mankind. And we are now live on Splash Pages, the comic book club. We have an awesome show scheduled for you today. But as always, the Velvet Joker, how's it going, Rich? It's very good. How are you this evening? Doing fine. Great. Glad to hear it. Hope all the rest of you are doing fine today, too. Oh, totally. And we have Chris. Dr. Chris, how's it going? Hey. And Drew. How's it going, my friend? Oh, oh, we're on? Um, I'm we're... good. Just you know, tweeting this. <laughs> so keep, keep, go, keep going. No, tweet away. Tweet away. Uh, okay, so today uh, we're the first... Up is we're talking about JLA New World Order, and uh, so this is published in 1997, written by Grant Morrison, art by John Dell and Howard Porter. The world's most classic heroes reunite to stop the world's newest champions, posing as a new group of superheroes. The Hyper Clan have descended upon Earth, convincing everyone that they are a benevolent force. They, as their true nature and plans come to light, only the world's greatest heroes can stop them. Standing side by side, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, and The Flash, Green Lantern, and The Martian Manhunter take on the alien posers and come to realize that Earth needs a force made up of only of the mightiest heroes. So uh, this came out in 1997, as I said. Top movies of the time. Batman and Robin. We remember that classic. Uh <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> was that the, was that the one where they had to line holy sheet metal Batman or or something like that? It was de- uh, if you can Nibble think of Batman. an ice pun. If you can think of an ice pun, it was in that movie. Yeah. So you know, 
you know, and literally. Clooney. Chew. Uh, also, Event Horizon Contact in the Fifth Element uh, on TV is uh, classic Seinfeld, ER, Friends, Frasier, The X Files. Uh, seems like it was not that too far ago, but uh, okay. I'm going to share my screen here, and uh, Rich, why don't you kick it off? Tell us what you thought. Well, um, number one, I had not read this storyline before, so um, it was a fun surprise. Um, I uh, really enjoyed seeing Aquaman with his hook. It's been a long time since we've seen him with the old hook. And uh, sort of like a, a almost a Momoa-esque sort of look, except that he's blonde. Now, what was the story behind the hook? I, I've heard it before, but he had to cut off his own hand for... No, he in the comic book, in this continuity of... Uh... Pre, uh, pre New Fifty Two, his hand was shoved into a pool of piranhas, and they ate it. In the Justice League animated series, he cut off his hand to save his son's life. But uh, he eventually gets like a glowy hand, and then eventually gets his hand back, and then he dies, and then comes back. So he's he's fine. Yeah. <laughs> but he has that hook hand through Peter David's run. Peter David is the one who did that to him. Um, mm-hmm. Was uh, just in time for uh, Zero Hour too. Did uh, Kevin Smith? Do any of that as well? I remember him talking about. No, Peter David. Okay. All Peter David. Gotcha. And uh, Leo, it was uh, it was a fun story. Um, seeing like sort of had these superheroes that sort of came from space that could do things. Um, they were super powerful. They all seemed to be pretty much as powerful as Superman. And uh, they were seeding a desert, and they made things grow. So uh, people were automatically like entranced and like, oh my god, these are our saviors. They're going to save the world, save all our problems. And uh, they were just Martians lying in wait. Spoiler alert! <laughs> white and and god white Martians to boot, the enemy of the green Martians. That's right. They were the warlike Martians. And it was uh, funny how fast the, uh, and I know it was mind control, but you know, uh, how the nation was turned against the superheroes quite easily. Uh, Chris, what were your thoughts on this? I had only read one Justice League comic book prior to this. I mean, I knew about the Justice League and the Super Friends, and I knew who the Justice League were from hearing them, but I had never read a Justice League comic book other than the one where Doomsday beats the crap out of the shitty Justice League. And they were the crappiest Justice League. Doomsday took them out in like one page. It was horrible. So I had no interest in the Justice League. However, then you have Grant Morrison come along and he's this like Scottish man and he he has this this way about him. He wants to he says the Justice League were just terrible and I wanted to rewrite them. So I wanted all the A-listers in the Justice League at the time. And none of the A-listers were in the Justice League. Superman sometimes was there. So I wanted all the best characters to be in the Justice League. So we decided to get rid of the Alsorans and put together this amazing team that could really kick some ass. <laughs> Uh, and uh, I, I bought up every issue of this comic book when it came out. I mean, the artwork from the phenomenal and Grant Morrison really made the Justice League something to read about. Because if you had read a Justice League comic book prior to this book coming out, it sucked. It really sucked. <laughs> uh, now, Drew, I believe you said you were excited to, to reread this. Yes, and I before I get into my thoughts, I'd like to say that Chris's Grant Morrison was good, but he'd need to shave his head to make it complete. Um, <laughs> that's, Thank you. That's just, that, 
You're welcome. That that wasn't horrible. I mean, the Scottish accent left a little to be desired, but you know, good, good, good on you, buddy. Um, Have you ever read yes. Gods and Monsters? Yes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So uh, very worthy. But um, to my point, um, yeah, I've only ever read one issue in this uh, arc, um, which was funny enough after this this storyline. So um, I had walked in with little little knowledge. I mean, I'm a fan of. Grant Morrison's earlier work, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. I think he, he, as Chris said, he took the Justice League from you know I wouldn't say a bunch of nobodies, but maybe some B-listers, and and kind of brought the A team back together. I mean, it's essentially minus Hawkgirl. This is the team that you'd see in the Justice League cartoon uh, later on in the early um, early two thousands, and it's. It's fantastic. I mean, you have Grant, you have um, if it's Howard Porter doing the yeah. artwork, and it's fantastic. The amount of cinematic, like action storyline and whatnot. Although I do agree that it's very much a comic of the time because, especially with the Hyper Clan design, I mean, that is that's pretty freaking nineties right there. Just style and colors and just jagged lines and pizzazz it was it was very much a, a thing that if you saw that now oh, it's a retro night at best but uh no it was it was great leading up to this story besides the i mean drew had a better compliment for the justice league at the time i mean in that one shot we had ice and metamorpho and obsidian and the most 90s looking guy who i don't even know who the hell he is but he has a ginormous ponytail and the sides of his head shaved you can't get much more Couldn't 90s never. with that haircut. Um, the context leading up to this was uh, uh, there was a storyline called Midsummer's Nightmare where the Justice League all lost their powers and they had to fight villains without their superpowers. And mm -hmm. just prior to that, I don't quite know how all the continuity fits in, but just leading up to this, the, Earth, the sun had been destroyed by the Sun Eater or Eaton. And Hal Jordan, using all of his parallax powers, sacrificed his life to reignite the sun. And that had just happened just prior to this, because this takes place right when Superman gets his powers back and just before he becomes Electric Boogaloo Superman. <laughs> Which he yeah, is right. blue and electric for like a year. So <laughs> very, very weird. Yeah, very, very 90s. They try to update Superman, but... Uh, uh, it um, there there is uh, as Drew said something amazing about Howard Porter's artwork in this. I mean, he'd go on to uh, draw the Flash for a, for a while, and he's yep. uh, been a pretty much staple DC artist for a really long time. But the splash Absolutely. pages in this book are amazing, of like Wonder Woman with her logo and Batman and Superman with amazing two page splash capage it's it's absolutely amazing but this is also by the way where grant morrison would start his bat god where batman is infallible it can do no wrong well that's yeah. that's how he's supposed to be right <laughs> yeah up until the tower of Babel. <laughs> and howard porter is also a, a terribly nice guy i got the uh, honor of meeting him uh, at a comic book signing and he uh, drew me a great oh, nice. joke and uh, oh. I got to chat with him for a few minutes and uh, just very mm. down to earth and uh, didn't seem full of himself at all. And he was sort of in the prime of his career at that point. Oh, wow. That's awesome. 
And the uh, <laughs> the other the other thing a lot about this is uh, maybe some people don't realize this is like this is of course this is Kyle Rayner because he's the only Green Lantern left. This is uh, mm-hmm. Wally West Flash. Barry was still dead or lost in the Speed Force because of the mm-hmm. crisis on Infinite Earth years prior. Um, Wonder Woman, by the way, would die in her own book right after the main story, and Hippolyta would step in as Wonder Woman because they have retconned that Hippolyta was the Golden Age Wonder Woman. So all those Golden yeah. Age stories that Wonder Woman was part of could still be part of continuity by saying, oh, that was Hipp- Hippolyta, Hippolyta, whatever, however you pronounce her name, not Diana. Fine, buddy. Which is really Absolutely. cool. So Hippolyta, Hippolyta becomes a part of the Justice League. And they also open up the membership to like Green Arrow, um, uh, Plastic Man, Steel, Hitman, Artemis, and Tomorrow Woman, who is a um, kind of like a vision character for the Justice League. She only lasts a couple issues and gets killed. Uh, Chris, remember to breathe when you're doing your nerd rants. It might help no. with pronunciation. <laughs> Breathing. Letting let let you know. Because you're, you're trying to C-3PO it, and I'm just telling you, buddy, like, it's just, you know, you're no Anthony Daniels. You're doing fine, but just, just saying. Um, I will say that I really did enjoy that whole back and forth between Kyle and, and Wally, because you get that idea that, you know, you, like, some of the Justice League, have, they've been doing this for a while, but you know, occasionally you got to interject that new blood. So you have this whole back and forth, and you have Wally, who knew Hal Jordan, um, and looked up to him the same way he looked up to his uncle Barry. And then you have Kyle, who's essentially a rookie. He's inexperienced. He's still kind of getting the hang of being a ring slinger. And you know, they're just going to keep like I love them going back and forth, begrudgingly working with each other while they're dealing with this situation that's ultimately threatening them. I mean, they're good. They're the Flash and, and Green Lantern, but you know, you're dealing with a team of essentially supermen. Like it 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 that that to me was one of the, the best highlights. And I think it also highlights another amazing point of Morrison's that especially early in his career, now I feel like he's kind of uh past his peak, but he was really great at creating these very realistic interactions with people mm. among extraordinary circumstances like you could get lost in techno speech but then you could have just a very simple exchange and i feel like it's that's kind of important when you're dealing with these kind of situations because you're dealing with people who are dealing with apocalyptic situations almost every day you know you gotta maintain some humanity there or it's just gonna overwhelm you Yep. Did anyone notice the cameos by um, some of the Marvel comic characters who got killed by, like, Wolverine, Doctor Doom, and uh, when the uh, Hyperion squad is, like, frying them in the desert, like, burning them alive at the stake, Wolverine <laughs> is seen, like, in the mist, and Doctor Doom, and a couple other Marvel characters I couldn't quite make out. But, uh, yeah, oh, that, that oh. is very clearly Wolverine being burned up at the stake. <laughs> Totally missed that. Yeah, let me let me try. Yeah, to I find totally. That. I I also missed that as well. Wow. Um, okay, it's right here. It's where they have the taskmaster looking guy. If you could put my uh, thing up on the still story. Yeah. Greetings. We are the Retro Reductopus Cephala Podcast, a bi-weekly show that celebrates all the things that made growing up awesome. He's right. We wax philosophic about lots of geeky crap like old video games and movies, toys, cartoons. I don't know. Help me out here. Music. Pants. Quoting video games that don't have dialogues. Shabibans. 
Tasty news. Unnecessarily long Japanese onomatopoeia. Butt breathers. Uncomfortable nature facts. Or how to install a samoplange. And unlike all those other podcasts, we at Retroidocubus have an exciting rotating host schedule. Do we? We sure do. So, if you didn't like the guy flapping his gums this week, like me, worry not, gentle listener. Next week, we'll have a whole new host. Of problems. Hey, they might still suck, but they'll suck differently. And you know what's really cool? Retroidocubus is part of the Dorkening and Inebriar podcast networks with new episodes every technical Tuesday. Which is like every other Tuesday. We named it. Anyways, you can listen to us at iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, or any podcast player cool enough to carry the only show that celebrates all things that make growing up awesome. So right there in the bottom, where they're like just killing these villains because, you know, the public's like, yeah, kill the villains! Right oh, here, yeah. we have Doctor Doom, we have Wolverine, mm. and apparently one of these others is another Marvel villain, but I I couldn't remember who they said that it was supposed to be a uh, allegory of. Oh, okay. Sorry, this wasn't. Yeah. Uh, I I said Taskmaster. I was wrong. I don't quite know who this is, but uh, yeah, Hyperion <laughs> was taking the law into his own hands. Or Hyperion. I'm sorry. Hyperion is Marvel's uh, Superman, Hyper-Clan. you know, version. The, the, the squad was very much like the Punisher. I mean, they were all about the Punisher. But man, oh man, their costumes couldn't get more '90s, especially with uh, what's her name over here with her giant V-shaped boob window. Yep, that's some Power Girls level boob window right there. That is just out. Right, or the mm-hmm. White Martian when she's fighting Wonder Woman at the end, she's got like giant White Martian breasts. Because <laughs> when she punches, you know, her boobs are just going to stay right in her outfit, right? Yeah, yeah, that that's clearly how that works, right? Sure, just, that's that, that's how science. Yeah, works. That, yeah, right. That's 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 comic book science. You know, somehow spandex will hold everything in. You know, unless Drew, that's you, you fake news, Drew. It's fake news. Yo, Miss, st- yo, can't go cancel me already, okay? God, Miss Martian, who's part of like the Young Justice, she's the only white Martian that seems to live on Earth in the DC universe without uh, being. Um, uh, vilified because she's proven herself but she is she is a white martian but she ke- keeps her green martian you know somewhat attractive looking form because as white martians they're they're basically borderline looking like xenomorphs just horribly mm. disgusting creatures you know they're multiple limbs and they just look hit- hor- horrific and I will say this though I think uh, another interesting there, there were two interesting moments that I definitely want to address how uh, Grant Morrison made it that Batman is essentially doing like a diehard taking everybody out one by one. Oh yeah, totally. Uh, you know, which again, it's just again, it's the oh you're human, so you're basically weak. We, you're no threat to us, and he's like, but I'm Batman. You know, and he just <laughs> takes them out one by one. I, for me, I think it was like when he lit the match. Yep. And everybody's like, yo, he knows, and he was, was like, I'm Batman, bitches. Bam! Ring of fire. Um, that is definitely something we definitely need to discuss being really freaking cool. Um, but I actually think that the other thing to discuss is the ending, because especially how DC touched on that in later stories. So, you know, one thing at a time, of course, because we have like, like I don't know, 20 more minutes. So, you know, we got we to gotta stretch this out. This is like an episode of The Flash. We got to stretch this out. <laughs> much longer than it needs to be you know that's the cw way right we got to get filler 
so we can get that sweet sponsorship money. I mean, oh, I'm sorry. Whoops. Right. I'm sorry. Let's reveal the secrets. <laughs> it, it is also very cool how it comes down to Superman to put the rally call, rally cry out to everyone on Earth to fight back against the Martians using fire. You know, and it's Superman who inspires the people of Earth to, you know, push back against the Martian oppressors. But at the same time, they were really they were ready to watch him be executed on TV just a few hours before that. Absolutely, and I think it's also amusing that that we have this this relationship, which later on you'd see in in uh, the Batman versus uh, Batman Batman versus Batman and Superman series by Jeff Loeb and McGinnis. This whole respect that Batman and Superman have, they clearly couldn't be any more opposite of each other. Yet there is this that you do your things your way, you get results. You do your things your way, you get results. I can respect that. I don't like it, but I can respect you. And it's so funny that he is um, kind of the person who says it's going to be, it's got to be Clark. Clark will inspire everybody because he still has one of my favorite kind of uh, diss moments to Superman in Infinite Crisis is when uh, I believe it's him and Diana and uh, Superman are all arguing and he just flat out says the only time you ever inspired somebody is when you died oh yeah I was just like god damn that's just like in Rick and Morty when you got noob noob in the background just <laughs> god damn <laughs> like it's just there's, there's no, no regeneration matrix is going to heal you from that burn so, so uh, one of the best follow ups what's that Chris? One of the best follow-ups to uh, this story arc through, I mean, everything Grant Morrison wrote with, with uh, just JLA, JLA, excuse me, was absolutely mm -hmm. amazing. Uh, but uh, what I would love to have seen in this, you know, Snyder-verse thing that we are, I don't know if we'll ever get, a, you know, DC will ever get around to doing that again at Warner Brothers, was, um, if you can put this up, I think it's called Rock of Ages. Oh, yeah. And it's a nightmare story. Um, that the beginning of it involves the beginning of this trade paperback involves uh, Lex Luthor and the uh, Injustice Gang, which is really cool. And then later on leads into um, I think it's like Aquaman, uh, Green Lantern, and Martian Manhunter were in space. And when they come back to Earth, um, Earth has been turned into New Apocalypse, and Darkseid is everywhere. And it's a phenomenal story. And in it. Um, they they're they're getting help from a secret person and they find out that it's Desaad, but then you find out like Desaad's actually Batman. <laughs> wow. Do you know that Chris, when you sometimes speak, you have a very Shatner way of, of saying things? Like you had this way where you're like, Dark Side is everywhere. No, no, but that that was but but the poster saying Dark Side is there's nothing else. It's just Dark Side is, period. Oh, no, I know, I know. I'm just saying is it was just the pauses. It was just very Shatner-esque of me. I was just like, it's just about you like, it's time for the Justice League to save the world. Gotcha. <laughs> There's also a great Starro story. It's like two parts where they have to team up with Sandman. By Sandman, I mean Neil Gaiman's Sandman, or, or at least the new version of Sandman, Daniel Way, because uh, Morpheus had just died over in the Vertigo book, um, and they needed Sandman's help to enter the dreamscape to defeat Starro, who had basically was like all over the earth. Like Starro got fucking big. It was just covering the planet. Um, didn't they cover that in a recent uh, DC animated? 
I remember see, I remember Starro? Yeah, I remember Starro being like huge. In this in the DC animated universe, the DC, you know, the Justice League, Superman, Batman one, the Drew that one Drew was mentioning, Starro never appears until like the Batman Beyond cartoon, where it was revealed that yeah. Superman's been under Starro's control for like a decade. Fans fucking hated that. <laughs> what? Are you kidding me? I loved that. I thought that no, was the best. Superman place. fans hated that because it made Superman out to be the villain again. Like, how many times oh, do we need to write God. Superman as the villain? Was it? Uh, and the fact that he was under Starro's control all this time, and it was. Uh, they did a like a follow up to that in the comics of the Batman Beyond universe, which mm -hmm. was like Batman, like Superman, like dealing with the grief that he's been under Starro's control for a decade. Lois mm -hmm. died while he was under Starro's control. And yeah. Terry's trying to like console him to be like, "You're still the world's greatest superhero. You still did a lot of good things under Star Wars control." And he's like, "You were missing the point, kid." I, th yeah. I think it was uh, the New Frontier movie. Was it New Frontier? They didn't fight Starro. It was a. Um, it was like a screenshot of their first adventure, the first appearance of the Justice League. They fight Starro, and they just do yeah. a like a screen grab, like floats. Okay. Hmm. So uh, I know we want to touch a, a little bit of something you can't talk too much about, Chris, but I just wanted to say, you know, this is the first Justice League. I, I started getting into, I think it was um, the first one for the new 52, the graphic novel, and absolutely loved that. But reading this for the first time, absolutely phenomenal. Uh, I love how they handled Batman at the end. You know, it's just it's just pure Batman, you know, being the detective and just being somebody that just kicks ass. And, you know, in the beginning where, you know, uh, they think, you know, hey, how come Batman didn't show up? And he appears in the rafters. I've been here for over an hour. It's just totally badass. <laughs> it's a very, it's a very Batman kind of, again, he just has a way of just like, I'm, I'm, I know. Yeah. What you're telling me, I've already, I've already figured out. Like he's infuriating. Oh yeah. Oh, I wonder what. Huh? Yes, I can only wonder what your thoughts are, laughing boy. Hey, um, yeah, yeah, we know. Yeah. Um, oh, but I will say it's again, got enough prep time. <laughs> it's got enough prep time. Sorry, oh, Drew. No, no, it's fine. No, it's get it, get it out of your system. It's like a laughing gas. Just smiles everywhere. Um. No, I will say again, I, I did enjoy the ending to me, I think was by far one of the best highlights of the whole thing. I mean, it was, I think for me, it was the scariest thing is that there is a place in a dimension where there's just a ship of white Martians in stasis, which is just frightening to me because drawn by Howard Porter, these things look horror worthy. Um, you know, and then you have that John Johns, the one of the last living Green Martians, is the person who decides their fate. And he even says to Superman, you may not approve of what I'm going to do, but you do not understand them the way I do. Like this, these people are responsible for the reason that I am one of the last of the Green Martians. And What's even better is that again, like later on, like you had this whole thing that not only were they brainwashed with mental blocks that just stop their powers, they believe they're human. They live on earth. And it's it's kind of like what Marvel did the first time they had the scrolls show up. Um, and I don't know if, if you guys know that story, but uh, when the first scrolls showed up, not only did the Fantastic Four beat them, 
but convinced the scroll leaders that Earth was full of way too many monsters. Around the 60s, there was a lot of monsters, apparently. We got rid of them. Um, and they, that was the one where they convinced the scrolls, they hypnotized them to become cows. Yep. And live their life. And those, yep. uh, they, they, one of those cow scrolls got turned into hamburger meat and poisoned an entire town in a Fantastic Four annual John Byrne did to like go back yep. to going, hey, do you remember those cows? And there was the uh, the cow scrolls were part of the Kree scroll war because Vision comes screaming out, the cows are scrolls, the cows are scrolls. Like he's like flipping out and nobody understands yep. what the hell he's talking about. Mr. Fantastic's like, oh, that's right. We never told anyone else mm -hmm. in the Marvel Universe. <laughs> and then later on that some, the more the cows got eaten, but instead of killing people immediately, it gave them like scroll powers. So that yep. formed a scroll kill crew. Yep. You know. And uh, they were like, hey, we're going to die because human beings weren't meant to eat alien cow meat, apparently, um, which I guess is, was at that time. I think that was Millar and that might have been Morrison, too. Um, that was their way, I guess, talking about mad cow disease. And which was like, we're going to die from this. Let's kill some squirrels, um, which, of course, Marvel was like, no. But back to my point with this is that you had this, these people, and you just know they're gonna they're gonna wake up one day. Something's gonna trigger their memories. They're gonna remember that they're white Martians. That they hate the Justice League, and and you know the fight resumes. But it's which is something uh, like I said we we saw them touch basis in uh, recently in Future State. The Hyper Clan come back to oh. fight the Future State Justice League. Spoiler alert for anyone, but it's been out for months. So again, guys, go to you go to support your comic book stores, please. Read these stories. But it's just crazy. And I th I think in Brightest Day, there was, uh, was another situation where somebody, I think it was either a white or a green Martian, woke up. She thought she was human. She woke up and, you know, uh, started laying waste to the people of earth so it's it's really interesting that you have that whole your neighbor might actually be an alien but legit so that's just my two cents again not total totally love it uh i just wanted to uh just bring up here you know the main baddie here just the way he's drawn just this psychotic uh you know laughing smile is just it's just so eerie you know it just you get to me i get like a, a terminator vibe from it i don't know what little you guys think right i find this, him uh, i find him to be a handsome chap <laughs> this is a fantastic uh jla grant morrison story that came out of this run of jla uh, this is the introduction of the crime syndicate for the first time ever in the post-crisis universe because the crime syndicate had been killed during the crisis on infinite earths um, and Grant Morrison wanted to bring them back in a way that made sense to the current continuity. So he did so in this JLA Earth 2, um, because at this point there was no multiple Earths story arcs going on. It was it was the one Earth, it's the single Earth. If you picked up the new DC Infinite Frontier, which came out this past Wednesday, there is mm -hmm. now one Earth again. All the multiverse stories have existed, but there is one Earth again. Um, but... Uh, yeah, this was really good. And the artwork by Frank Quietly. Quietly. Yeah, Qu Quietly. Quietly. It's, we know him. 
Yeah. Yeah, he's Him. fantastic. Um, this is this is definitely worth reading. It's the same cast that's in the book that we just read. But they're evil. Yeah. And this, by the way, was a inspiration for the Justice League um, Crisis of Two Worlds uh, animated movie. This um, has a lot of that in, in oh, it. Yeah. A, a, the good Lex Luthor goes to our Earth to be like, I need the super people that live here. Help me. And they're like, Lex Luthor, oh, you're supposed to be in jail. Let's fight you. Wait, but I'm not your Luthor. I'm hey, Luther. Luthor. Yeah. <laughs> like if you watch Superman and Lois right now, the villain yep. of that show is Captain Luthor, a African-American Luthor too, by the way, the first black band to play Luthor. I've been really digging that. I'm, uh, I haven't watched this week's episode yet, though. I it, The one that's airing while we're broadcasting? Oh, is it? <laughs> Oh, I thought it came. Uh, yeah, I'm off a day. Never mind. <laughs> that is why the Dorkening time slot moves to accommodate Leo's The second episode, we were already in the CW zone. Oh yeah, you're feeling that? I, like I said, I enjoyed the first episode, but that that second episode is like, all right, I'm you're now you're already starting to CW it to me. I was getting a. It is CWE, but it, I I wasn't getting as as much drama and i know we're veering off here um but it wasn't as much drama as like you know the flash you know um i was getting uh smallville vibes from it well because they moved back to smallville because they all you know well i, I mean the interaction well no i i know that but like the the interactions between people you know it's not you know i know we're getting a little bit of high school drama but there's you know the adults mixed into it as well and it's uh yeah, uh, I'm right. I, I just want super villains to show up. I mean, please tell me Morgan Edge's plotline is going to lead to him, you know, involved with Inner Gang and Inner Gang's involvement with Apocalypse and Dark Side. That would be fantastic because, I mean, they've already done the Anti Monitor and the Crisis on Infinite Earths. What is the next big villain for them to do? Dark Side. Oh, yeah. There's probably others, but yeah, let's go with that. Um,. No, I, I honestly, I haven't watched the show because I, to be quite honest, I'm kind of CW'd out on this tangent. Um, but again, you know, I'm always down for giving something new a shot. Um, you know, but again, I did see the clip where the, the new Luther is, and I was just like, wow, that's actually surprisingly a nice twist. I was like, this is cool. But again, just like with Rich, I, I do get afraid because there is like a formula CW follows. And sometimes, in my opinion, it does lead to some poor writing. Like again, a lot of the earlier seasons of certain shows like Green Arrow, The Flash, those 22 episodes really stood out. But after a while, it didn't, it was like, we don't really need 22 episodes. We could just do this in 13, exactly. 10, yeah. Maybe eight. Like for me, it was it's for like I always enjoyed the flash. I was like the brown savatar. I was like, okay, I'm we could wrap this up soon. But then season four was abysmal with the thinker. We were just I was like, guys, this is the thinker. Like, really? We couldn't deal with this in three episodes and then move on to someone else? Like but, Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, but we're, we're the only been, good episode of season four was the crossover with the Nazi Earth. Oh yeah, Captain Cold. Mm -hmm. Yes, Barry. It's okay to grieve. No, no, no. It's fine. I, my, Ralph's still in there. Barry, Barry, it's okay to grieve. Like, come on, man. Um, I haven't watched. The, I haven't watched the new season of The Flash yet. Have they? Uh, what did anyone watch that? I, w I would love to see how they're wrapping up uh, the elongated man storyline without the elongated man part of the show anymore. <laughs> I didn't know it started yet. Yep, 
last week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They yeah. were building up the elongated man suit Dibney marriage plot line, and then elongated man actor had to do some dumb crap, get himself fired, and <laughs> and they had to end it on a, a terrible cliffhanger because of COVID, uh, with Iris trapped in the mirror mirror universe with a bunch of mirror copy people because of Mirror Master, and like Drew pointed out, it, it's just it's just like every episode is just dragging on and on with this plot line of like evil Iris and mirror Iris and. Mirror Master, and it's like, good God, Mirror Master is not that big of a villain. We needed a whole season of. I'm so Chris. What I'm, what I'm hearing is your mirror over it. Just, I just <laughs> wanted to. Uh... So, that was good. Uh, Leo, we got we, it's about uh, eight thirty-eight. By the way, okay, uh, we'll we'll hop on over to the Spider-Man talk. Uh, but yeah, I I tuned out of CW uh, quite some time ago. I, I think it was actually during uh, Savitar. Uh, that run with uh, with the Flash, and I haven't really watched anything since, except for the crossovers. I tuned in for that. Uh, but Ooh. off tangent, we'll probably talk about this tomorrow. But uh, I just saw CW is also rebooting Kung Fu, which uh, should be interesting. Why? I don't know. I just Who? I just saw a trailer today. Like Kung Who? Fu, the legend continues, Master of Kung Fu. Yeah, that old show. It, they're calling it Kung Fu. So uh, a new CW show starts in a couple weeks. They still have plenty of DC characters they can give a show to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, uh, Velvet Joker, how many crowbars? Uh, we're going to go three and three-quarter crowbars. Okay. Chris, how many crowbars? Four. Four. Drew? I'm going to give it a nice four along with uh, Chris. It was really good. Okay. I'm gonna give it four and a half. I loved it. Uh, the only thing is the the uh, I love the artwork, but I didn't like how they uh, drew Superman's neck like way too big. Like it was you know a little a little seemed odd for me. But other than that, the artwork was just amazing. So uh, we'll wrap things up. Get over to Spider Man. Uh, so Drew, where do you like people interacting with you on social media? Yeah, um, you gotta catch me as I'm eating. Um, I'm on uh, Facebook. You can look me up, Drew Mallow. Uh, I have my Instagram, um, GhostbusterMan1984. And um, I'm a frequent writer on Screen Rant, so you just look me up and see what to do. Okay. Chris. Oh, I'm on... um, uh, I'm here, and I'm on the spectacular Spider-Man show we're about to do. <laughs> okay. Uh, and Rich? Um, Rich Davis on Facebook, uh, and Velvet Joker 2021 on Instagram is where you can find me. Cool beans. And uh, for me, just Google Leo Pond or head on over to thedorkening.com. You can find uh, over 30 shows on the network. Awesome stuff. Thanks for joining us for another awesome week in comics. Next week, we're going to be talking about Truth, Red, White, and Black. It's a seven-issue limited series written by Robert Morales, drawn by Kyle Baker, and published by Marvel Comics. The series focuses on Isaiah Bradley, one of 300 African-American soldiers experimented on by the U.S. Army in an attempt to create super soldiers. So this goes along with, uh, you know, Captain America makes an appearance on it as well. Very, very somber story, uh, but we urge you to definitely read it along with us and we'll be covering that next week and again thanks for joining us